Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. This is Part A. I deeply appreciate the responses that we do get through the week in regard to someone having their life touched, transformed, or maybe even someone who has been indwelt by the life of Christ. Those are very encouraging to us, and we want to encourage you to continue to text or email us what God is doing in your life in regarding to these messages that you are listening to. Also heard a few comments about our last podcast. And if you haven't noticed, we are going deeper and deeper into the indwelling life of Christ where we're really hitting, stroking issues that are primary deceptions in our culture today. And I knew even before I started the Dear Daddy series that we were going to be really uh, hitting some hot buttons because it's not just with men. It used to be, but it's not just with men that defy father figures. There are ladies that defy father figures probably equally as much as men do. But it used to be that men simply could not be told what to do and they would get up in your face and say, I know that. It's just like having a dad in your life telling you, instructing you, training you. And what does that teenager typically, I mean, if they're mouthy, typically say to this father? I know that. Quit lecturing me. That's the attitude that, that goes into the future with their bosses and their pastors and their mentors and whatever. They struggle with being told what to do. But you know, if you were upset enough to contact me, then you're upset enough to get the answer. Because most men and women, I typically get a lot of responses from men, but they are passive resistant. They lie to you by using their silence. They don't tell you what's between the lines. You have to listen to the Spirit of the Living God to read between the lines. Any of you who are discipling men today, you know what I'm saying is the truth. You have to pray over your sessions. You have to be praying while they're talking to you because they're lying to you. Not necessarily bluntly, but they're lying to you by not telling you what is really going on. Not telling you the hidden thoughts. Not finishing the truth statements, which makes a true statement a lie. So, 
Satan's technique from many, many, many generations ago is a, a, is a Mason technique, and that is truth, truth, lie. It's not lie, lie, truth. It's truth, truth, lie. When you tell someone the truth, they relax. And then you tense them up with a lie. And they think you're a truth-sayer because you told them two truths. See what I'm saying? That's our world. When you come and have to deal with a spiritual father or spiritual mother who does truth, 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 that last piece of truth oftentimes creates a response. And it's usually more of a reaction. And they, they push you back. Because if you do a steady flow of truth, 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 it will ultimately break you down because truth is a person. Before we go on any further in our message, I'd like to do our Book of the Week recommendation. The book that Jane was reading out of during share time is this book. It's called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And it's more of a devotional. I think there's like 50 little chapters in there. And out of these 50 little chapters, uh, the major is giving you little pieces of what really makes up of the full indwelling life of Christ. So it, it is a great book to get your hands on. I'm going to be integrating a lot of the principles uh, spoken of in this little devotional in our upcoming workbook on Identity Thief or Identity Theft, and uh, as well as many of the principles through the history of those who understand and did understand the indwelling life of Jesus. It's a great book to get your hands on. You can go to our website at www.iomamerica.org and scroll over to the Book of the Week, click on that, and we already have the link live and waiting for you. We don't get any profits out of anything that we recommend on our website. We don't even get profits out of the books I have written. So usually when someone orders a book, there's, do you remember the last time, honey, I got a check from the publisher? Yeah, I didn't even get one last year. So usually we keep the cost so low it balances the fees I have to pay the publisher to public keep the book going and and managing the orders. So we're not about the profit, we're out, we're about getting people the the truth that will set them free. Let's take a look at the scripture that Steve was reading to us earlier. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me. And and as we're reading this passage, I, I want us to go ahead and make that change in our minds that he is speaking. These scriptures aren't old letters anymore. They are the word of God. So he's, he's speaking 
not just to Paul, it is the indwelt believer. Like a wise master builder, I, Paul, laid a foundation. And another body of Christ member is building on it. Now, please do not misinterpret this passage because Paul is not the foundation. Paul built the foundation. He said, well, what about the, the disciples? Because even though Paul was a disciple of Christ, he was not one of the original. So you think those guys would be the foundation. Of course, we find from this passage that the foundation is who? It's Jesus Christ. But this is a significant piece of history. Who built the foundation? Paul did. If you want to know really the specifically, now I know us exchange lifers always give Paul the credit because he was the first preacher out there to preach, not I, but Christ, and the whole idea of what it looks like to have the indwelling life of Christ. But that was not his primary calling. Paul's primary calling was to build the foundation. Every single brick put in place had an identity marker of Jesus Christ on it. He was the builder. That's important for you to understand when you are reading Paul's writings. All of the significant doctrines in Paul's writings are bricks. And you preachers who are listening, you need to understand this. When you preach from Paul's writings, you need to understand that every sermon is a brick and they better match up. Or the structure in which you build is going to look pretty weird, twisted up. He goes on to say, but each man indwelt must be careful how he builds on it. So Paul is warning us, saying, using my name personally, Stephen, be very careful about what you put on this foundation. We have a weirded out church today. We have snake handlers. We've got people who, the, the, the men, you know, have got weird rules and the women have got weird rules about clothing and this and that. I mean, your testimony is a classic example of the stuff that people will put on that foundation that is not of the foundation of Jesus Christ, but is of an interpretation of an additional builder. So he goes on to say, For no man, created being, can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. And any of these churches or preachers or teachers that are out there that think that they're laying some kind of foundation 
for some powerful principle that you're preaching and is your main theme for your church, you are deceived. It's done. It is finished. The foundation has been laid. And we need to study every single one of those bricks to show thyself to handle accurately the foundation that was laid for us to preach about. So we can do all kinds of fun things of building structures on top of that foundation. But you know, if you're always referring to the foundation as your core, that structure that you build on top of that foundation is probably going to be pretty cool, no matter how big it is. But you start messing with what Paul is saying here, it's going to turn out to be something that originally it was not. The church actually does have an identity. It's not just humans. What's out there on those signs, we love, we give it away, we share care and, and buy bears. I don't know, whatever their little signs are that are out there is a confession of either it's about this foundation or it is not. But see, people use those buzzwords because they are building typically something around those three words, are they not? Their programs, their Bible studies, their this, their that are typically around care, careful, and care bears. Whatever. So they build. They come up with a mission statement and they build around it. That is a bad way to build a nonprofit or a church. Here's the good way. He goes on to say, now if any man builds on a foundation with prosperity doctrines, I have added that piece because of the gold and silver thing that's coming up. So if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, which makes bricks, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, which means holy testing. And the fire, this holy testing itself, will provide the evidence or itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now, what I was struck with in in Jane and I's 40th wedding anniversary weekend was this. The longevity of the commissioning that was given to us on the day of our tying the knot. What was bound on earth got bound in heaven. So we have always believed that our marriage is eternal. It's not earthly. We learned that when we were little pups. We never fought it. Another thing that you might find interesting if you're struggling with your marriage as a listener is Jane and I made an agreement never, never to allow the word divorce enter into 
our conversation. Never. It is not an option. Because it'll break the foundation. I believe those two things is what caused me to be able to look at this 40th anniversary and say with confidence, God, we were faithful to your faithfulness. There's no question on whether God's going to be faithful. He will. And all of you who have been divorced one to 12 times, God was faithful in that first marriage when you were not. The question would be, were you faithful to God, not to your spouse? Because there's no guarantee you're ever going to have a happy marriage as an indwell believer. There's no, there's no promise to that. There, just like there's no promise to you indwell believers, you true born-again believers, that you're going to have a happy life. That's why I like that song, Dancing in the Minefields. It is common sense to Jane and I to get up every morning and know that we're going to be walking through a world filled with demonic minds. And and we don't want to just survive at the end of the day. We want to dance together. We don't want to displace our intimacy. We want to embrace it in the minefield. Andrew Peterson, you did an awesome job in revealing this truth in your song. I have no problem saying I want to be like Paul. You see, because Paul was like Christ. Christ is like his father. We live in a millennial generation that refuses to say, I am my father's son. And I love it. We want to detach from our earthly fathers and now parents in general so that we can form our own style of family life. We adjusted the foundation. That's our message tonight. God will let you get away with all kinds of crazy stuff in your works of building the church or building your Bible study or building your belief system or whatever. And you think God is commissioning it because he's not coming against you? That's the generation we live in. If no one's coming against me, then they support me. That's the MGs all the way across the board. Because parents have realized something that I might as well just keep my mouth shut and not say anything to my child anymore because they're not going to listen anyway. This papa's never going to do that. I'm going to be there presenting and representing the truth to you until I'm dead. Whether you wish me dead or wish me alive, it matters not. Because what is commissioned in me needs to be sealed, which it was, 
and what is sealed in me should never be affected by the pain, rejection, or sin of others. So now, you do step up to those rebellious children who are in the, the, the millennial generation who thinks that you did it all wrong and they're setting it up the right way. It's love, 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 care bearer, you know, caring carefully for the care bearers or what, whatever their little worldly spiritual mission is. You need to step up and present and represent and present and represent until they kill you or you die of old age. Matters not. You see, I want to stand before the Father and I, I, want, I want to hear with my own ears, not for the rewards that are behind this statement he's about to make, but I want to hear with my own ears. Well done, Stephen. When I could show him my whole list of failures and mistakes and not loving my wife the way I should have and blah, 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 blah. He's not going to go down that list. You see, anyone who falls and gets back up and speaks the original doctrines, not adjust them, there are many that fall and get back up and they adjust their doctrines. But you fall, you get back up, and you stick to those original doctrines because it's the foundation. You have passed the test of fire. So that's why I was saying to Deborah, this isn't about the neighbor. This isn't about your kids. It's about you. Can you pass this test. Now, being someone who's had apples and tomatoes thrown at them for many years, I understand that a little bit. Whereas a lot of beginners with persecution, because they've been so nice and pleasing and giving to people, which is kind of Deborah's background, when she is going through this transformation, I know I'm kind of using you as a live example, but as she goes through this transformation, which she has been, and truly embracing the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, well, guess what comes with that? Rejection. Spiritual jealousy. Do you know demons drip with jealousy? They're like a dog that has a stake set a foot in front of them and they can't reach it. And they, they just drool. That is a demon who is spiritually jealous for your victory. Because those demons are made for one thing and that is warfare. To fight for their commanding officer called Satan. They want victory. And they don't like it when they do their job and you just kind of smile and turn the other cheek. It gets them. That is how we're supposed to get them. Then, of course, it does talk about the reward. If any man's work which is, has uh, built 
on this foundation remains, he will receive a reward. Yes, there's over 3,400-something references to rewards. If you think just because you're saved by grace and God doesn't keep track of your sins anymore, he does keep track of your testings and your victories. Are you listening? He does not keep track of your sins. He keeps track of your testings and your victories and your granted rewards from victories, not God balancing sin versus victory. Victory over sin is called infantile doctrines, milk. If you're just now realizing the power of that, then you are in the infant stage of your indwelling walk with Christ. The meat of the gospel is what we're into right now. It doesn't get any meatier than the indwelt believer advancing to the point of saying, would you like to have my left cheek as well? I beg Jane to please let them spank her at this restaurant. That's a big panel. Yeah, I wanted to get her name on that panel. It's huge. But she, she was not in the mood to receive rejection. Okay, I want to show you something here. I attached these diagrams to your packet at the end because I came up with them today and the Lord told me to put them in, so I did. In this diagram, and those of you who are looking at the PDF you got off of our, our app or our website, um, the new PDF should be loaded by the time you get to it, since this is not a live message. And it'll give me time tonight to update the PDF so that this these two diagrams are in your package because they're very important to look at as you're listening to this message. So here's what we have in front of us. Someone please tell me what the foundation box says. You have to speak it out really loud. Okay. So it's not just the, the doctrines that Paul was referring to. Jesus said, I am the way, so it's method. I am the truth, the doctrines, and I am the life. And that is what breathes life into the other two. That's our foundation. Okay? Upon this foundation, as you see going straight up, you have Apostle Paul. The scriptures are very clear on this. Apostle Paul was called by God to build the foundation. He wasn't the foundation. He was to build the foundation. The Holy Spirit gave him individual bricks with profound doctrines on them. Like I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Brick. 
For the old self has been crucified with Christ. Brick. That's what we're talking about. He was called to be the builder of the foundation. It's very critical. I'm not exalting Paul above any of the disciples, the original disciples. They were not called to be builders of the foundation. You find the calling in the end. It's how you finish your life that determines your placement of life. So here's what we have. In the new temple built of crystal. Whose names are above the doorways? Twelve disciples. Paul's name's not on it. You see, that was their calling, to be the doorway to the gospel. Paul's calling was to take those bricks, brick by brick, lay the foundation of the doctrines and life of Jesus Christ. That is what forms for us today our core, and that is identity matters because of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. That pours out into what I've already taught you guys previously, and that is these six points of identity. So you have spiritual view of Jesus Christ. Then you have leadership view of authority. That's what we preached on last week. Then you have sociology view of society. I can guarantee you that as these young people are walking through the community and they see some kind of new funky t-shirt or blue jeans or orange tennis shoes or something, that is society having an effect on identity, passion. Pretty soon the kid goes home and says, Mom, can I get the orange tennis shoes? They're only $216. Sure, we'll go tonight. Pick them up. That's how it works. So that's a very important piece to identity, the view of society. Then you have physiology, and that's the view of human body. I mean, how many times do you hear, even in Jack's message, talked about boys marrying boys. You see, it's a huge issue today of who are you? When's the last time you checked between your legs? And that's a serious statement before you get your physical, medical change. How were you created? So that's a key identity issue. And then uh, psychological, and that's the view of the mind of man. And then friendology, which is the view of relationships. Then we go one more layer out and we have spiritually identity in the indwelling Jesus. Under leadership, identity in the indwelling word. Your leader lives inside you. So if Satan can keep this leader thing outside the people, they'll idol worship. You can't idol worship something that's living inside you. It's impossible. 
been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.